citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is the show where Brian Guy and I throw each other a movie every single week, except, you know, the last one, because the audience threw us this one. That's right. This one came to us from Matt Cowan. High fives to Matt on this one. Yeah, absolutely knocked out of the park. But hold on, Matt. Shut the fuck up, Matt. This is a show where we throw movies back and forth. If we line up the scores, then we got to drink the Rotten Tomato scores, the critical, the audience one. Ah, drink. That's where the beer me comes from. That's not really it, actually, at all. The office is where the beer me comes from. <laughs> absolutely. Our patron saint, Andy Bernard. do. This month's audience pick came from Matt Cowan, and he went with Starship Troopers from 1997, directed by Paul fucking Verhoeven. I don't think you said fucking loud enough. Is there a way to add extra fucking to that fucking? I'm not going to do the fucking louder. I got kids upstairs, Brian. Everybody just know. Loud fuck. Have you ever seen Starship Troopers? I have never seen this movie, and it's been on my list for a while, including my list of things to beer at you. So this is perfect. I completely agree. This has been on my list since we probably started the show. For years and years, people kept telling me, oh, you should see Starship Troopers. You'd love it. They were all right. (laughs) They were correct. I feel like this is one of those movies that it's going to be difficult for us to remain a non-political podcast. Uh, Borderline impossible, I'd say, on this one. It's going to be very difficult. This one was so tongue-in-cheek that people didn't realize that it was tongue-in-cheek. Which is a problem in its own, right? We'll get there when we talk about the box office. (laughs) But man, did he pull off a little magic trick with this one. He really did. I don't even know what to say about it other than just like, wow, wow. And you couldn't even Owen Wilson it, and that's a little offensive. We'll get there. No. I said we'll get there. Jeez. Well, great. I have a nightmare to possibly look forward to. (laughs) Do you want to get into this thing and see what it's going to score? Yeah, let's get right into it. We start our score off with story and motivation. And to summarize the plot of this movie... Writer McStrikely has written us a little script to reenact. Our AI producer who came into this world during the writer's strike, which, looking back, was possibly the most offensive thing we could have done. It's up there, but um, what he wrote this week might top it. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, no! Uh, Starship Troopers, we got roles here? What are we doing? We do have roles. Um, Would you rather be Cletus or Earl? God damn it. I just read the... Scene description. <laughs> but I was fine. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Um, whichever one is the most uh, neutral and centrist of what's about to be talked about. You know what? You can be Cletus. That's great, Brian. I don't know what that means. And you know that I don't know what that means. And I'll be playing Earl. Lovely. Cletus and Earl. Are you ready, Starship Troopers? Are you ready? Are you ready? No. Can I read what the scene description is, the only part that I've seen so far? Yeah, absolutely. Exterior, the capital, January 6th. That's right. And action. Exterior, the capital, January 6th. Two insurrectionists, Cletus and Earl, are huddled up behind a statue, decked out in mismatched military (laughs) (laughs) surplus and face paint. They're taking a breather, their eyes wild with excitement. What are they doing? Taking a breather. It's a peaceful protest. You don't have to really take a breather if you're nice and peaceful, right? Is that exactly. No needs to rest if you're just, you know, peacefully demonstrating. Not a political podcast. Not political. Gonna bite my fucking tongue off with this one, but not a political podcast. 
podcast. <laughs> the tongue is so far in the cheek. <laughs> Look at you. Oh, that's my boy right there. Uh, Cletus, this is just like that movie, you know, Starship Troopers. We're like the heroes storming the front lines. <laughs> oh, you mean that historical masterpiece? Johnny Rico, Casper fucking Van Dien. My man starts as a high school quarterback dreaming of blasting bugs. Mike Lanham wrote in and he wants to know. Is Casper Van Dien the coolest Hollywood name? And it also, is that how you say it? I think so. I, I watched a couple interviews of people introducing him to make sure. And that's what this consensus seems to be. That's a really good name. It really is. Like in terms of names that flow off the tongue, that's way up there. But then you have to remember that Rip Torn is a thing. And I just, I love that. Well, Rip Torn is a perfect thing. This is a really good thing. There could be good things and perfect things. <laughs> My bad. I didn't realize we were just talking about really good things. <laughs> no, you're doing the thing again, Brian, where you live in the extreme. <laughs> we can't be having extremes. No, speaking of extremes. And common. Denise uh, Richards. Okay. She's all, I want to fly spaceships. But really, it's a, I don't even know the voice. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I want to do because there's so many wrong ways to go at this and so few right ones. It's true. I feel like you have to lean into some kind of wrong choice. This is Sophie's choice right now. I mean, she didn't have it nearly as bad as I'm about to have it with this thing. It's not even close. <laughs> like, I'm just going to do what I should do with it. And okay know that we don't really have any listeners below the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> and Carmen. Denise uh, Richards. We did that already. Right. She's all, I want to fly spaceships. But really, it's about the guns and the glory. None of that pilot nonsense. Yeah, forget the sky. It's the dirt and grime with the mobile infantry that's the real deal. Rico signs up to impress Carmen, and they're off to play with the bug guns. Big guns. I can read. It still works, though. That's that's it, a weird really Freudian does. slip. Is that what they are? <laughs> Something about wanting to have sex with guns? Not a political podcast. Not a political podcast. So they say that the infantry, the folks on the ground, that is the ultimate that you can sign up for because that is what the propaganda has told them. Right. That's what all of their adults with missing limbs have told them. That's what they need to do. If you haven't picked up on what this movie is yet, <laughs> oh boy, I hope it's soon, because that was a huge problem with this movie. <laughs> uh, big time. Boot camp's a hoot. They got Zim. Clancy fucking Brown. Clancy fucking Brown. The instructor with a heart of stone and a fist of iron. He's like a walking, talking, motivational poster, but with more shouting. Rico quickly becomes king of the hill, leading his time. We're doing the stutter bit again? Just so maybe <laughs> if like that bit is what's captured, people can like look at our Patreon that we did uh, for last month, Shang-Chi and Legend of Tenders, and know that it might be you now with the stuttering thing. Right. Oh, okay. That way you have plausible deniability. Right. I'm covering my tracks. In so, oh, no. The, I wasn't being offensive. the most that was efficient Brian. way. Of doing it. It's like I'm walking with a broom erasing my footprints as I'm like walking backwards. It's that inefficient a way of covering tracks. I learned that from 101 Dalmatians, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) 
They're dodging live rounds like it's a game of tag. That's the ticket to manhood. None of that simulated training fluff. A lot of this movie is simulated training fluff. Yeah, except they're not really simulating it. No, no, they're not. Also, who uses live ammo during a training? For real. It's so irresponsible. This whole scene like bugged the hell out of me because you have like this close quarters situation with this team and then there's live ammo and they're saying it's live ammo. The guy's got a broken arm, he takes the helmet off and then he gets shot right through the dome. Yeah. But the thing about live ammo in this situation is that the live ammo, if anyone misses anything, it will continue traveling and they are surrounded by people. They're just in a circle going up against these fake targets. Why are you using live ammo? It's insanity. Yeah, it really bugged me, too, oh, Dave. Oh, jeez, man. Why? I don't know. You, you kind of just left it there. It felt like it needed to be done. People are so tired of hearing me talk, and you're telling me you want me to talk more to not just leave it there to avoid that in the future? Or just don't even touch the, the pun. Don't even, don't even leave it dangling there so I don't have to pick it up. <laughs> dangling pun. <laughs> <laughs> not a political podcast. <laughs> got a dangling participle there. But remember the helmet bit? One guy thinks it's smart to take it off and bam, lights out permanently. <laughs> Safety third, right? And then Rico almost bails on the whole hero thing, but then boom goes Buenos Aires. So Rico's from Buenos Aires. Yeah. He kind of runs away from home-ish to go be with Denise Richards because she's signing up for Army. And, and he goes, Dad, I need to go sign up for Army. And it's like, his dad's like, you're going to Harvard. He's like, I got a 53 on my math, or a 35 on my math test. I'm not going to Harvard, dad. So he's away from home. I find it weirdly awesome how the meteor strikes Buenos Aires while he's on the telephone with them, watching With them. his parents, You see, yeah. like, the shadow, like, oh, a cloudy day. It's like, no, 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 hang glider accident, boom, you're dead. <laughs> hey, what's that dark spot coming? And gone. But the thing that I'm having trouble grasping about this meteor, and we learn about meteors earlier in this thing, when you have all of the recruits and infantry and whatever flying to the other side of the galaxy in order to go after the bugs. Right. And they pass a meteor and they bump into the meteor. And we're told that the meteor is a bug meteor. They put their bug larva on it or whatever and shoot that to Earth to invade Earth. This meteor hits Buenos Aires. Fine. Wiped off the map. It's a good way to go to war. My question to you, knowing the tone of this movie, but also not sort of understanding this ambiguity in the scene. Yeah. Is this a false flag? It kind of feels like it. Like, I almost rewound it to see if this was the, the very meteor that, like, Denise Richards kind of runs into. And is like, was it actually? That's the way I understand, because they run into it, but then they say that they're comms out, so they can't warn the Earth, and then it hits. Right. So I'm assuming it's the same one. But also, are there meteors like that that do that? Or is this part of the propaganda that they're feeding the quote unquote citizens? I think it's very much part of the propaganda. It's fun that it could go both ways. But it is. I do think that it's a complete false flag in order to warrant an invasion. Yeah, absolutely. Things that a Dutchman would throw into his film to shit on Americans. <laughs> Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Oh, that wasn't part of the script. My bad. <laughs> I can't tell anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that pretty much is what this movie is. It's a Dutch man making a movie about how ridiculous America is and seeing fascist tendencies starting to build. So he made 
a satire. In 1997. Way ahead of it, that Dutchman. It's gotten better, right? Right? Right, guys? Yeah, everything around me just spontaneously slid on fire. I'm now a dog, and it's fine. And this is fine. This is fine. Those bugs had it coming, Earl. Earth gets a bug bite, and the mobile infantry is off to stomp some creepy crawlies on their home turf. Clendathu. These bugs. These bugs. I like that there's a variety of different bugs. It's not just like humans showing up in one type of bug. You have flying bugs. You've got infantry bugs. You got some small bugs. And you have the giant bugs that shoot bombs out of their asses. It's a great variety of bug. It's a good variety of bugs. They're so cool. They look awesome for 1997. They really do. I was really confused the first time I showed up. I was like, where's the face? But then I was like, I don't care where the face is. Shoot them. You could convince me that this came out the same year as Jurassic Park. It came out the same year as a Jurassic Park as sequel. As a Jurassic Park, yes. I understand <laughs> that. I'm holding it to the gold standard, even though now when you go back, you're like, eh, yeah, it's goldish. Yeah. 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 It's you gold know what? It's pretty good. Pretty good for 97. Well, that was 93, 94. Back then exactly. with the, the, the dinos. This looks awesome for 97. Today, you name it. It looks awesome. It's really cool. I love these bugs. Shrimps is bugs. Total bug barbecue. But it's a bad day to be a human. They get their butts handed to them. Rico's tougher than a $2 steak, though. Plays dead better than my possum Rufus. Dizzy? Dina fucking Meyer? Dina fucking Meyer. Give her the fucking. Absolutely. Get rid of the question mark. Put a hard period. Hard period. The gal who's all googly-eyed for Rico, they finally mash faces after a shootout. A real love story until she gets the old bug hug. That's mean. That That's is mean. That's that so is mean. mean. They set up Dizzy as this character who definitely wants Rico. Big time. Like, she has a full ride to Japan to play football, and then she shows up the same way in the army that kind of Rico is showing up to impress Carmen. Yeah, there's arena football in this movie. <laughs> sure is. They run really, really fast, and either. I don't know which way it goes yet, but A, no one can tackle, or B, the guy who has the ball is super duper strong. Maybe both? Like, at a certain point, all of these amazing runs have to be boring, right? I feel like you start to take them for granted, for sure. We saw four in the span of 20 minutes, because that's how long this scene feels like it goes on for. Well, that's because Johnny Rico and Xander Barcolo are just amazing football players. I'm blind to them, man. Whenever they're on screen at the same time, or even just slightly separate, completely them blind. Patrick Muldoon, I always just, I never remembered his character's name. I just saw him and went, oh, this fucking guy with the hair. With the hair? <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. Uh, when I see him, though, I just see, like, that squared chin, and just, like, yeah. that big smile. It's like, God, you're the same person. This is annoying. This is bad casting. But he has brown hair, and the other guy has blonde hair. Well, there's a helmet on. Forget it. Forget it. Oh, yeah, they're the same guy. No wonder Denise Richards is so confused. But Dizzy, she gets set up at the beginning of this thing that she wants Rico. She signs up, goes to planets, does the stuff. I think she's a higher rank than Rico when Rico comes in because they make it like seem like a big deal that she's coming to this infantry group or something. I don't know. That's what it feels like, even though she's also a recruit. It's a weird yeah, I don't know. intro. But now she's one of the boys here. They all start kicking ass together. They get tattoos. Jake Busey's in it and all his teeth. Jake Busey is in this. And I always forget that Jake Busey is a person until I see him. 
I'm always convinced that he is AI, that he is what you put in when you like try to render just like Jake Busey's son, Jake Busey's son, Jake Busey's son. But you keep using that and just adjusting that prompt to nothing and just let it run for like a million. You get a Jake Busey and it's scary. It is the AI rendering of what Gary Busey looks like. It's a copy of a copy of a copy and no one should copy Gary Busey. Never, ever, never, <laughs> never, never. Dentists love <laughs> the Buseys, though. I don't think we've mentioned that Neil Patrick Harris is in this movie either. He's in this thing. He is absolutely in this thing. He dresses up as an SS soldier at one point with the big jacket because he's like a smart colonel man. And apparently on set, they called him Doogie Himmler. Doogie Himmler is so good. That's incredible. Uh, Dizzy, uh, Rico, again, they start to have all these connections. They start doing it, even though Rico's kind of with Carmen, but also mostly not with Carmen. And Carmen actually dumps him in this movie in front of everybody. It's awesome. Yeah. But then Diz gets got by a bug. And she celebrates for the only time in this movie. She breaks character and she pays for it dearly. Yep. The one time she decides to have a little touchdown dance. The old bug hug. Impaled by a bug. It's awesome whenever someone gets impaled by a bug. It looks so good. It really does. Or when they get chopped in half, too. Oh, it's wonderful. Or beheaded, and then it gets cut for the NC-17 to R rating, and then gets added back in by FX. To Hell yeah, TV. FX. Hell yeah. <laughs> A moment of silence for our fallen comrade. But hey, that's showbiz, baby. War's a stage, and they're all actors. Then they nab that brain bug, and I swear, Earl, it looks just like Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> All wrinkly and scheming and lying about her husband getting hit when really it was male prostitute and a dildo. He's alive. We could joke about it a little bit. We, we can joke about it now. He's okay. You're killing me, Cletus. They should have let that brain bug chair a committee. Am I right? <laughs> but nope. They got it all scared like a rat in a trap. Now that's the ticket. Show those bug-eyed monsters. We're the top of the food chain. Humanity. Heck yeah. We're going to colonize the stars one bug splat at a time. You want to talk about that brain bug? Let's talk about the brain bug. They find out there's a smart bug. That literally sucks the brains out of you. Yeah, it's showing up to these encampments and sucking out the brains of the, of the soldiers, trying to learn about humankind and how to defeat it. And everybody on Earth is like, well, the thought of a, bro a bug that can think is sickening to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this brain bug is just a, a big old blob uh, with uh, well, it's, it's really hard to go ass to mouth when they're the same thing. Right. It's <laughs> you'd have a really hard time creating a brain bug centipede. <laughs> what? It's just one sided, really. How does that work? Do they like get their faces real close together and like just the touch the size and then uh, you're thinking what you got and you're nice That's... like you kind of talk a little bit and it's <laughs> That's just two brain bugs making out. Well, they're also going after us, like, eternally. But they're also going ass to ass, and that's just confusing. I don't even know what that's called, when you get the holes smushed together. Like, I understand scissoring <laughs> pretty well, but when you get the, the buttholes lined up, what is that? You just become a tube with mouths on either end? It's called monorailing. Monorailing? <laughs> It's going tunnel to tunnel. Well done. Coming soon to Disney. <laughs> Walt was obsessed with monorails, therefore you know he loved monorailing. Oh, you know he went butt to butt. 
<laughs> Walt Disney 1000% went butt to butt. I'm so happy that he's in the public domain now. I'm so happy that we can say all this stuff. <laughs> well, the end's the best part, Cletus. They're all jazzed up for another round of bug hunt. No brakes on the freedom train. Just like us, Earl. We're the heroes of this story. No doubt. You betcha. Let's get back to the good fight. For liberty, for Earth, for the glory of the mobile infantry. Do you want to live forever? Not on your life. Let's roll. They scramble to their feet, tripping over their own gear, and charge back into the chaos, blissfully unaware of the irony of their conversation. This reading of Starship Troopers, starring Dave and Brian, is brought to you by Cryo Trump. <laughs> Give him your money, and he'll freeze you and bring you back to life when all is well again. <laughs> Cryo Trump comes with a free pair of sneakers. <laughs> the sneakers. Oh my god. Free sneakers, not actually free. This movie rules. This movie is so good. I love that he made a fascist movie. <laughs> that's so weird to say, but that's what it is. And it's a satire. He wanted to tell this story from the side of the fascists. Right. He's been quoted as saying, if I tell the world that a right-wing fascist way of doing things doesn't work, then no one will listen to me. So I'm going to make a perfect fascist world. Everyone is beautiful. Everyone is shiny. Everything has big guns and fancy ships, but it's only good for killing fucking bugs. It sounds perfect, the way he set up this satire, delivered on this satire. The problem is, <laughs> is everyone thought that he was an actual Nazi. Yeah, they did. That's a problem. It's a huge problem when you're making a movie that's about Nazis, realistically. Yeah. But putting it in the shoes of Americans and people around Earth and whatnot, just the larger American idea. Earthicans, as Futurama would put it. Exactly. The story motivation, I have to go with like an eight. It's pretty up there. Yeah, absolutely. There's parts of it that are really wrong, and we're going to get there with the scoring for sure. Don't get me wrong on this one. But I think the story motivation is legitimately fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Eight. Casting. It's good? It is good. It's surprisingly good. Casper Van Dien, totally fine. Dina Meyer, totally fine. Denise Richards, less than fine, but it works because it kind of fits the tone of the movie. Yeah, it, it's decent enough Denise Richards. Jake Busey, he exists. He's in the movie. Never forget, just like another Paul Verhoeven movie, never forget that RoboCop shot a guy in the dick. Never Exactly. Forget. Never forget. NPH, he's here. Clancy Brown, he's here. Michael fucking Ironside, Dean Norris, they're here. Michael Ironside is so fucking good in this movie, and I'm ashamed of Ryder McStrikely for not bringing up his character at all. Seven for casting. Solid. Deserves to lose points. Denise Richards just smiles most of the time. That's Her character is like, I'm going to be pretty and make the boys confused. And then she went on and interviewed and said like, oh, it was so good to have like a powerful female role. And then I wanted to ask her in, in the past, this interview of, do you understand the role? Like, yeah, you had a you had a good job title, but the character itself <laughs> didn't really do much. No, you got damseled a lot. A whole lot. You had two boys fighting over you the entire movie. Seven. Protagonist. Johnny Rico. It's Johnny Rico. Is it Johnny Rico or is it humanity? It's Johnny Rico. Johnny fucking it's, Rico. It's Johnny The character fucking gets Rico. fucking because he's so cool. He's so awesome. He's so cool. It's all about business, but he makes it look real good, too. Yeah. 
he does this thing where he takes the bits of the people who teached him along, taught him along the way, because I know English. The people who teach, Deb. You know, the people who teach. I'm still in character. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and he makes it part of his thing going forward. And like as he becomes, as he moves up in the ranks in the movie, he adopts these things from Clancy Brown and Michael Ironside. It's really cool. But he also advances either really, really fast or the appropriate amount of time. I have no idea which one it is. He is definitely continually failing upwards. Maybe that's like part of the joke is the Peter Principle at work in this thing. Absolutely. The China Rico rules. Eight. Eight. Antagonist. Bugs. Is it though? I don't think so. I don't either. The antagonist is fascism. It is fascism, but that's also... The protagonist. But it's it's right? You gotta be smart to figure this one out, I guess. I guess we have to look at it through the eyes of the protagonist, which would make the antagonist the bugs. On paper, the antagonist is the bugs. Thematically, not so much. They're bugs? See, now you're falling into the same trap that all the characters in this movie did. They're more than bugs, Dave. They are an advanced species that you're completely undermining right now by just saying, they're bugs. They're bugs, yeah. They're and cool they looking have bugs. brains. They're cool looking brainy bugs that suck brains out and butts to butts. And we did that already. They have military intelligence. They do have that. They set up a plan, but so do raptors to like entrap people. girls. But I think the thing about the bugs that gets me a little bit here, and it might just be a knock on the humans again. The humans are only really fight with these machine guns that never run out of ammo. <laughs> and unless it's poignant for the scene for them to run out of ammo but the bugs also get hurt by these things but not all that bad but not too it bad. takes a, a lot again. of bullets to drop this thing yeah a unless, lot unless it's the scene needs them to fall faster in that case they get torn apart yeah yeah it all depends on how much plot armor they're wearing exactly uh five five screenplay edward newmeyer it's based on starship troopers bye Bobby A. Heinlein. Right. It was a very right-wing novel that was adopted, adapted. God, I can't get words today. Yeah, just today. <laughs> yeah, only today. It's because I'm in character. That's right. Um, <laughs> super right-wing novel that basically Verhoeven tried to read, got two chapters in, and said, Neumeyer, can you just tell me what happens in this and how we're going to make fun of it? Absolutely brilliant. I love it so <laughs> much. So good. If you're Bobby Heinlein, how mad are you at this adaptation? You have to be furious. You <laughs> have I sold to the be. rights to my book and you made fun of it. Made a lot of money. No, we'll get there. Nope, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, the screenplay is totally fine. Uh, six. Six? Seven? I like this movie, damn it. Seven. Let's talk about the style and tone. It's really, really good, but really, really simple. It's interesting because it's it's definitely this future vision based on what we knew about technology in 1997, which is like the internet is a brand new thing. It feels like, remember Demolition Man, how that's in yeah. the future? Right. It feels like the future in Demolition Man advanced just a little bit more. Yeah. This is supposed to take place in 2197, and I think there's still time for us to regress to this level by then. Yeah, by then. Right. <laughs> no one's on a fast track to that right now. That's right. I like the way they use the FedNet propaganda ads to frame this thing. And really, that's what drives home the, the ridiculousness of it and the parody. They open with that. This yeah. thing sets the tone right away. Immediately. 
very propaganda-esque, but, you know, internet 1.0 variety. But it felt like the future because, you know, no dial tone or whatever it was. The dial-up signal right. that drove everyone nuts. It'd be pretty awesome. We just stopped the episode right now and just played that for like a half hour. Oh, that'd be pretty good. And then delete me saying, playing only for a half hour part. Maybe they'll think it comes back. It'll be like a Marvel post credit scene. Yeah, it's just a... There's an Easter egg somewhere in there, folks. <laughs> See what sorry son of a bitch listens to that. It's like they haven't given it a final score yet. I, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. <laughs> there's got to be more. I kind of want to go six or seven again. I don't really know where to place this thing because the alien planets don't feel that alien. They're a desert. It's easy to do. Exactly. It's an open space. It's not a hard thing to pull off. But like nobody has to wear masks at all while they're in space. It's just, just like, hey, I can breathe here, too. It's all good. Some interesting stuff happening. Ah, six. Let's go six. Director. Paul Loud fucking Verhoeven. <laughs> yeah. Um. This man did some things. What does that mean? Because that could go the wrong way real fast. Oh, uh, no, no. Good things. Oh, jeez. Don't do that, man. We get burned on that too often. Ironically enough, the good things involve him getting naked. I'm weirdly listening. For the co-ed shower scene, Verhoeven was like, oh. <laughs> the co-ed shower scene. Yeah. Yeah, you heard that right. <laughs> yeah. There's a shower scene where just everybody's there. All the girls, all the boys, we're all showering together, and it's a very non-sexual scene. Verhoeven asked the cast to do a little fashion show without the fashion to get comfortable being naked. And Dina Meyer, who plays Dizzy, was like, if it's no big deal, why don't you do it? And then immediately Verhoeven unclothed himself. So did cinematographer Joss Vacano. So both of them are just naked and they're like, all right. And then all of a sudden everybody was comfortable with it. They shot the scene completely naked. And then that was it. That's brilliant directing. But also he's European. Getting naked, not that weird. <laughs> not a big deal for him, yeah. <laughs> a lot of respect there. I think he did a great job in this movie. I think the tongue-in-cheek is absolutely brilliant because of how much it fooled a lot of people. Yeah. But uh, eight. Eight. I feel like it's seven with Verhoeven bum. Could have gotten a nine if somebody just got shot in the dick. Easy nine. The easiest way to get a nine. Next up is music. Basil Polidorus. All the people had their own kind of light motifs, and the bugs did not have anything because they just wanted the sound of the bugs to kind of be the theme of the bugs. It's all appropriate. I didn't catch a single light motif. No? And I usually hear those come back, and nothing. Yeah. Well, forgettable. Three. Three for music. That brings us to box office. Oh, boy. This movie costs $105 million to make. That's... A little more than half of a Titanic. That's right. <laughs> Opening weekend, it only made $22 million, but it did open first in the box office, beating out Bean. I don't know how I feel about that. Bean was in its fourth week at the box office. Well, that's why. Bean was running out of steam already. And was actually, this was its highest week. Like I said, it it was starting to run out of steam. It was This was the peak. Bean moved up 14 spots this week to finish second. <laughs> Only made $10 million less than Starship Troopers. And then it was uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, which is also four weeks old. 
And then the other two movies that came out this week were Mad City and Eve's Bayou. So, like, nothing really Nothing really, right. With Starship Troopers and Bean. And yet. And yet. The movie only ended up grossing worldwide $121 million, which is a 115% ROI. Yep. Which is, on our scale, a three. People, IRL, thought that Verhoeven was a Nazi. Yeah. They did not understand this movie at all. They knew the Heinlein story, so they knew kind of where it was leaning. A lot of people didn't get the tongue-in-cheek. No, the satire was lost on most people, including critics. Which is crazy, because, yeah, it's tongue-in-cheek, but if you can't pick that up, you're the problem. Yeah. The final category is impact on the industry. Is there one? Or like a significant one? Four more of these movies. Yeah, but I mean, did they really? <laughs> Listen, there is a Starship Troopers page on Wikipedia that's not just the movie, it's the franchise. Three again? I don't know. I feel like there's nothing huge out of this thing. There were two live action sequels, two animated sequels, two television series, four video games, and then, of course, rumors of a reboot in the, the near future. But how many of these things have people actually heard of? And I can't believe I'm looking at it now. Casper Van Dien has done them all. Every single one of them. Because what else has he done? (laughs) Uh, Four. I don't ever think of this thing as a franchise. No, but I I feel like it has a pretty massive cult following at this point. Five. Five. We're slowly creeping up. I think that's a good place to stop. Five. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's all the wiggle room I had. I don't want to give him any more than that. It feels dirty at that point. That will give Starship Troopers a total score of 60. Low. Yeah. That's surprisingly low. This thing got a 72% critically, and audience got a 70%. There was a window there that was real scary. There was. We avoided it by being a little hard on this movie, I guess. Yeah, that's weird to be hard on for the amount I liked it. Like, I felt like I had to pull myself back down to Earth a little bit, and it was unnecessary. Didn't need to. Could have fanboyed a little. Could have. I could have. And now I'm going to regret that for the rest of my life. If we gave every category a one point bump right now because, damn it, I liked it, we would have to drink. Yeah, can't do that. That's not how the rules work, man. We live in a society. <laughs> Did you learn nothing? Uh, that's fair. Matt Cowan, high five to you. This movie rules. But Brian, I believe next week it's your pick. So why don't you beer us a movie? It is my pick. And I feel like I've been pretty transparent in what I'm choosing, kind of broadcasted it a little loud. But now you're making me feel like you you didn't broadcast it at all. And this is all just words to throw me off. It could be words, but it could also just be the the goddamn truth. I can't handle the truth. You're going to have to because it's coming at you fast, very fast. This is not what I think it is. I'm convinced of that. (laughs) This is a 2006 movie starring Owen Wilson, also starring Paul Newman and George Carlin and Cheech Marin, Tony Shaloub, and Larry the Cable Guy. (laughs) We're going to be talking about the 2006 Disney Pixar film, Cars. Yeah, that had to happen, didn't it? You just couldn't wait. You just couldn't wait. I had to. It had to happen. The blood's still boiling, man. Still boiling. Even <laughs> Jeff Miners reached out and he's like, hey, didn't Bruce Campbell die in Cars too?" It's like, he was a car, not like real Bruce Campbell. Yeah, a car. That can't happen. That can't the happen. The chin will Our never die. We may finally understand these movies. 
but most we likely finally. we will not. <laughs> We're going to try our damnedest to break it down. I think this is my my third car-related pick of recent memory. You love cars. You've never seen this one, right? I've seen cars. Okay, you haven't seen the second one. I've seen one. cars a lot. I've never Right. Got I love it. the third one. Never seen the second. Next week, Brian's a real son of a bitch. We're talking <laughs> about cars. Until then, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Send us your movie suggestions for next month's listener pick. Our patrons always get double the picks, so join us on Patreon. This month, we're talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's a really fun episode. It is a lot of fun. It was nice to be back in the MCU briefly and yeah, trying briefly. to understand that point of it. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the next one up is going to be the Eternals, right? Yeah. Can't wait to take a nap. Can't wait. So that'll be interesting when we get to that. Be sure to email us your movie picks, questions, and comments to beermeamoviepod at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at beermeamovie on the ones that we're still on, like Instagram and Facebook. Especially Facebook, because that's where we put up our post asking for your questions and comments. Our good buddy Micah wrote in. And he asked, peak Denise Richards? Hard to say. Mostly because unsure where a peak would have ever occurred for Denise Richards. <laughs> Denise Richards was always just like, hey, it's the 90s. You're pretty. As far as her characters, I don't think this is peak Denise Richards, no. Denise Richards was a Bond girl. That trumps all. But also, yeah. Denise Richards doesn't have peaks. She just literally has valleys and not valleys. Denise Plateau Richards. <laughs> Also, Wild Things. Well, of course, Wild Things. Mike Landon even wrote it and he said, yeah, Wild Things, obviously. It depends on what kind of peak you're, you're talking about, I guess. We Again, not peak, valley and non-valley. <laughs> Last question we have is Phil Hot Take Hawkins. He asks, what's the craziest thing you've done but didn't actually want to do for a girl? And I know mine right away. That's an interesting question. I don't know mine right away, but I would love to hear yours. For people who know me, they know that this is the craziest thing that I've done that I didn't want to do for a girl. I joined a new church. <laughs> and it wasn't even the religion I was brought up in. It was a full, like, swing for the fence right away. Wow, that's that's a big move. She said, come to church with me. And me and my little ignorant brain, I went, yeah, that sounds fine. That's like, I've been to church on Christmas and Easter my whole life at this point. What could a church be? I go in and there's an hour of singing, then an hour of the worship stuff. And I was like, I, this is not that man with the weird hat. too much church. But it was weird. Like, I grew up Catholic. And then while I'm sitting there trying to understand what's happening, she's like, oh, yeah, we're born again. And I was like, I don't, I, I was, what? What? <laughs> That's extreme. It was extreme, but I learned my lesson. Because the next girlfriend also dropped the church thing on me, and she was Mormon. And guess what I said to that? No, thank you. No, thank you. And that was the end of it. <laughs> I learned what the no was. <laughs> we found the line. Do you have one? I do have one. I went to church for a girl a couple times, and it was exhausting and excruciating, but that's not what it was. Uh, same girl, though. I did spend a summer working at a Home Depot garden center in South Carolina instead of doing an internship, which was a, a big mistake. <laughs> so you worked at a Home Depot in the garden center for a girl? In South Carolina. It needs to be restated. It was a very hot summer. Where were you living that wasn't South Carolina at the time? New Jersey. Oh, boy. You went from New Jersey <laughs> to go work at a garden center at a Home Depot. 
yeah. for a girl. How long were you dating this girl for? Oh, a couple of years. I'm not even sure that's long enough. Right? I, I should have stayed my ass in Jersey and probably should have done an internship. But I guess it all worked out, right? But I think it's talk hydrangeas. Now I know so much. No, I wasn't even like working in the garden center. I was a cashier in the garden center. <laughs> like I was in the metal box with the money. I couldn't even. It was just hot. I don't know which is worse for us out of these scenarios. I don't know who had it worse, but uh, there you go, Phil. Thank you so much. <laughs> Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see everybody next week for Cars. We'll see you then. Cars.